This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Material is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Ben Christensen, and as Innovation Manager at SAP Next Gen New York, I lead our global science fiction community and our makerspace community. What I love about Material is the opportunity every time I get to be in physical uh, interaction. I'm a physical computing guy, let's be honest. So when I first met my first 3D printer, my imagination went wild. And I wanted everybody to have the opportunity to realize that they could take their imagination seriously. If you can imagine it, you could build it because the tools are available now. This one's a doozy. How do we make the movie Back to the Future become a reality? We chat with a visionary who came from the circus and then decided to build a 3D printer from the ground up. Now he innovates as a leader with the SAP startup community and brings the hottest new technologies to the humble future of the human renaissance. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto and Samantha Cortez. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. So as I'm looking on your LinkedIn profile at your titles, I find it fascinating. It says startup mentor, maker evangelist, and the global lead for SAP next-gen science fiction community. Can you unpack that for us, please? Because it's fascinating. All right. So first of all, what I really care about, and I put startup mentor and maker evangelist, is because that's where I find my identity, is that I'm always starting things. In fact, I'm much better at starting them, frankly, than finishing them. (laughs) But it turns out that that's a necessary attribute in the business I do, which is to help companies explore and help startups explore what's possible to make partnerships. Maker evangelist, because this is the age of if you can Google it, you can build it. And so I want everybody to feel empowered with their imaginations that if you can imagine something, you can learn to sketch it, you can get access to the free tools online through your phone, etc. to make it possible. Build a 3D printer from scratch using YouTube videos from 16-year-olds from e-waste. It can be done. I've been doing it. And then at SAP, what I do at SAP as uh, leading our global science fiction community There is a huge need right now to be able to open up our mindsets, to activate our imaginations, our inner science fiction person, as my manager, Ann Rosenberg, always says. Because when you look at a science fiction narrative, it gives you a view of what's possible. And we find that many of the films that you probably have seen, some of these things start to become reality, video calls, etc., right? Um, That's just old science fact. But in Back to the Future, that was pure science fiction. So I want, we help companies... Uh, realize that they can use science fiction narratives to have empathy for their customers in the year 2025, 2030, and beyond by designing today. Wow. So like in uh, Back to the Future, those self-interlacing shoes that now are a reality. They're a reality. They're amazing. You know that already. Hoverboards. How cool. Like That design reference just goes back and forth. We can harness that. JFK also knew this principle. He said, we choose to go to the moon at the beginning of the 60s. That was a pure science fiction. We didn't have the technology to do that, but by the end of the decade, we did. So you don't have to be a science fiction writer to use science fiction. You just imagine it and move forward. Yeah. 
So what does that mean for a community like SAP.io and for those who might not know what they do in the broader context and then the specific aspect of what you do? So if I could introduce SAP.io, um, together at Hudson Yards, we have a space, SAP Next Gen, which is an innovation community for SAP's customers. And what we have there is a university, the Hasso Planner Institute, we have government institutions, UN women, artists, you name it, to come together because when you're designing systems, you need to have a holistic view that has the humans involved, you have music involved, etc. And on that space, you need to be able to meet with those mindsets. This morning, we had people who were uh, founding the Black Lives Matter movement uh, here in the space. But we also have on the space the SAP.io Accelerator, a foundry for women-led enterprise startups. Um, so from blockchain to, to the future of retail, et cetera, they're working in these spaces in an enterprise context because SAP is an enterprise software company, one of the world's largest makers of business software. And what you want to be able to do is we have more together than alone. Even SAP can't do everything by itself. We are powerful because of our community. So we bring that together. Startups are a huge part of that. And that's why we've had this women-led uh, foundry of startups in the enterprise space. Yeah, I read that's fantastic that you guys are kind of making that moves. And as you're looking at kind of the companies that are doing that and what you are passionate about, you mentioned some of the high level blockchain, et cetera. Anything you're particularly leaning into in the future? Um, into the future in terms of the startups at SAP.io? Or in general, yeah. I mean, um, seeing what in they're inspired in anything. Voice mediated computing. That's something that's a big deal. We see coming up here just in the next couple of weeks is VoiceCon, which is a voice VaynerMedia is doing in our space also. Um, VoiceCon, I mean, me, future voice-mediated computing where you speak to your enterprise, where you ask for analytics. There's a blockchain analytics startup I was just speaking to today in our space that is making the blockchain searchable for the first time ever. If you can imagine the internet and you weren't able to have a search engine, that's how it was in the blockchain world up until a few weeks ago with this startup that created the first search engine for blockchain. So when you go to search, you go to human interfaces, and then you go to voice. I love what you're doing up there. Um, and going to, to uh, up to SAP and seeing the interaction between the companies and corporations, is, it's, it's very interesting. What is, what is your favorite startups at the location right now? Favorite startups at the location? Um, there is this wonderful startup called uh, The Geek of Chic, um, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, um, Amber, Amber Analytics, this is a, another a blo the blockchain startup. I say that was one of my very favorites that's going on right now. That's a big deal. Another one that seems to be a multiplier that always comes up is called the Accelerator Awesome. And I know it doesn't sound like a startup, but it's actually um, being led by a gentleman named John Lin. And he has gotten the world's first conference for accelerators. What is an accelerator? A multiplier of startups. They are running the first. That's happening in this space. And that's very exciting because they're starting to multiply the multipliers of startup communities and bringing them all together at the end of June here. 
it's so interesting just thinking about all these different areas that we've already touched on in a few short minutes and tying it back to what I always think about when you think of SAP.io and its SaaS enterprise software. And for us in particular, from a supply chain perspective about how you map, measure, trace, track kind of the movement of things around the world and empower businesses. Yeah. Um, do you ha- ever touch on that side of the business as well and what you're working on and particularly from like a supply chain materials movement of, of how that's been affected by what you guys have produced? By what we're producing there. I mean, you mentioned supply chain and how affecting that. That's pretty interesting. We like to think that by having this uh, community, this startup community um, that we're accelerating. Now, it's not like there's not there's an enormous and incredible startup scene in New York, but I feel like everything you do creates a persuasion, exerts an influence or an attraction or a gravity in the universe. And by creating this foundry for for SAP.io and being part of this whole SAP Next Gen uh, area, you start to create or invite and persuade to find the like matters in the universe to come together. And I believe that's a principle. That's why people in general come together. That's why probably I'm here is because of your minds and what you're driving. So I feel like you create the future by deciding what you want to be about and you bring people together in that way. And I don't think that there's a better way to look at supply chain than that. Right. I, what I love about it is the diversity that you have in between all the accelerators or, uh, or the people that are there. Um, the other thing that really brings me here is I love the aspect of your interest in the 3D printing. Yes. Yes. I knew you were dying for me to bring that one up. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about your passion. So... When I was a student in Stockholm, I met a 3D printer at a public university. Never had... How many of you guys have used 3D printers before? I have. Personally, right? Yes. Well, you them. taught me. You ta- Exactly, right? <laughs> We've seen them, but they're mostly things we read about in the news, which is fine. And uh, the interesting thing about that is I saw something come to reality in eight minutes that didn't exist before, and I helped customize it. I went home that night thinking, if that's possible, then what else is possible? And I wanted every person in the world, especially students, to have access and start to treat their imagination seriously because I started imagining up designs. I learned to 3D sketch. I'm not a 3D sketch artist by background. Um, I actually was in musical theater before, right? But I learned to use free 3D sketch tools. And so now as we're running these science fiction Wednesday night meetups, we've been able to help people learn that they can take their ideas, sketch them on paper, turn them into 3D models and start to 3D print them. When you have ideas that become tangible, they become shareable and it starts to accelerate. So that underlies that. Then I found out that you can build a 3D printer from scratch. I learned so much about computer science by having to flash the flash the whole control code um, onto an Arduino ramps, which is just the brain for the 3D printer, and, and uh, laser cutting the wood, and even 3D printing some parts of the 3D printer from other 3D printers. And I just got very excited about this. I think the 3D printer is the ultimate symbol of education, especially digital education, because it goes from art to computer science, etc. I had this unrealistic goal that everybody in the world should be an arm's length of a 3D printer. Besides the 3D printer, the actual aspect of the melting of the product to create, you know, a, a figure, where do you see the, the actual liquid that comes through developing? Or is that something that you've... PLA, polylactic acid, is the, is the plastic that is typically used. And I know you're going typically, beyond that. I'm going way beyond that. You're going way what beyond else? that. Do, can we create the it? Filaments what are is, getting what is, what wild is, what is right now. Yes. The food printers, like the Foodini, 
and one that I started but never made called the Glutenberg printer, which is in the food as well. But the whole concept is um, from metals, titanium printers, printing rocket engines. I mean, that's where we're kind of going with this. But printing organs, that's also a material um, for healthcare. Um, that's a really interesting aspect. So depending on where you go with it, I could talk in any direction on this. But we, what we see happening now is homes are being 3D printed. Um, yep. The plastic version is very, very like prototype, right? Yeah. This is just where you get started. But um, we see additive manufacturing, which 3D printing is as a, as a ver very much accelerating industry and has yet to reach its maturity. So future is exciting there. So I, I'm with you and totally on board with 3D printing. It's something that my company, I do a lot. And I'm really curious as you see, you know, at its base, obviously there's something very sustainable about 3D printing. You only print what you need, when you need it, with minimal waste, minimal toxins, um, uses the same energy at in, in at-home 3D printers as a home computer. So a lot of benefits to it. But talking about the filaments now, obviously we're starting to see coffee grind excess, 100% biodegradable materials buried in the ground at three months it's gone. Is that something you're looking at and how that impacts design and, and the sustainable movement? Something that I've learned, especially working at SAP Next Gen, is that there can't be any innovation without purpose. It's just simply not sustainable or it's not really innovation, right? So what I mean by that is uh, the short answer is yes, there has to be a sustainability aspect. It can't just be, oh, there's a material, let's use it without implicating the whole supply chain of what's going on, especially as we accelerate and, and we're 2018 now, right? So um, right now there's like, like a corn-based... Uh, Bioplastics. Exactly, that are, you know, non-toxic. You can print cups with them. But are they as sustainable as something else that could be, uh, for example, maybe not as much, right? So let's look at what's what, what we're doing and could we infuse other uh, organic matter together with that to have another dimension of like 4D printing, right? Where something that actually, the function of it is, is shaped. They started the 4D printing. They started already 4D seen printing. It. Yeah, we've been seeing And that just adds another dimension. And you could actually say another dimension to 3D printing is, wow, how are you? how is this impacting? Every print should have some sort of impact on what... Uh, where it came from, what it took away from the environment and what it's contributing back. And can it be reused again? Um, there are a lot of trash, a lot of things that get made in 3D printing that don't end up becoming, it's just trash. So there's from recycling, that's one aspect, recycling all of that plastic in many cases or powder, if it's titanium or whatever, into something is important. But uh, I haven't ventured that far into the the the... New, new materials, but I've seen them exploding and I find it a little bit daunting to keep track of them because it is an area of 3D printing that is growing, accelerating. Accelerating. And just yeah. being in the front of it, it would be very well, interesting to see the development going we forward. We should have some flashlights in that, some spotlights, I should say, yeah. to make sure that uh, what is being developed is developed with a, a sustainability in mind. What did it mean to you when you said, I found it so interesting that like you're watching whatever YouTube videos and whatever other information you gleaned and then you built from the bottom up your own printer and like right. just thinking, you know, obviously a lot of people we go, we buy a 3D printer, we use it, but to understand it from the ground up, to have built it, to have maybe optimized it if you did for what you need it to do, yes. what did that mean and what was that process like? That's so exciting you asked that. First, it came out of necessity. 
there was a 3D printer. I was a student. I didn't have money to buy my own, but I helped my friend assemble one. It's expensive. And I needed to convince my wife that we should invest in one. And I thought, you know what? I've assembled a 3D printer. I bet I could source these parts cheaper than what, and just replicate this model off the shelf using, okay, some other things. And maybe a motor from a DVD drive, according to these YouTube videos, which you're saying you could do. Um, 3D printing and all that. It turned out it was more expensive in the end, but it did end up getting me um, a 3D printer in the house, which was important. But the whole concept, that was the kind of the first one. Uh, but uh, that process was interesting to me because then I started to make decisions. Am I going to source this from... I was in Finland when I f first started this process. There were parts from the Netherlands where there's a huge 3D printing community. Then there's parts from Alibaba in China, AliExpress, right? And those not only had much more customs and time, which I found the hard way... Yep. get delivered sure but was i was i contributing to something that is unsustainable in that case do i know what was involved were there wage issues involved with the productions of those those are now questions that i've learned to take into that are very very important and so as much as we can use what's around us is, is extremely important and that's another kind of surprise layer of 3d printing is being able to use materials in your environment. That's where it become really exciting. We talk in the future about printing things on Mars or on the moon using moon dust, mm. fusing things together. Martian sulfur. <laughs> exactly. Out of this world, going to mm. be mind-blowing. Exactly. And humans don't need to be there to do that. That's great. But take that back to Earth. And what if you could get local communities? And I know 3D printers are not like, I have my food, I have my water, and here's my 3D printer just yet. But... Um, at some point, these could be stations and communities that could be uh, a place where things could be synthesized from food to supplies to tools, etc. Well, I think um, there was an, uh, it was an investment that you really made because I think your wife is the one that's running most of the printers in your house right now. So let's be honest. <laughs> that's very important. Right? <laughs> I have to say, at first, I had to, the 3D printer was not a beautiful device. It was in the closet. That's where it was allowed to be seen so that no, the neighbors couldn't find it. But then when we found out that we could find things on the Internet from the community, we could download like a toothbrush holder that fit our electric toothbrush or things like this that were customized. Oh, now it's a beautiful thing. It can be in the living room because it's useful all of a sudden. So that investment for my wife is very important. But also the support of they do take space and they're loud currently, right? So, of course, it is very important to be able to have um, desirable and useful things that also don't take up too much space, um, especially when you're using it as a means to, in my case, flex my creative abilities on, I think this is not just a fun recreation. This is something that has implications for my ability to provide value, but also as a, as a, as a humanity, we can leverage this technology to do great things. I want to be at the front of that. And you need your people with you on that journey. <laughs> so we need to take a quick break, and then I want to dive more into the kind of the future of what you want to build with yes. this magic 3D printer. But before that, uh, what did you bring us for a snack? We're staring at something good. I am looking at a bag, and in that bag are some uh, garlic knots. Ooh, you might have ah. heard of them. I thought of something... that. We're in New York, right? And I'm eight months into New York, by the way. I moved here from the Bay Area, ah, originally from Salt Lake City. Welcome. But in, everywhere I go in the world, you get so excited about New York pizza, right? So, though I didn't bring New York pizza, I brought something that would be the New York pizza snack, which I think is appropriate, garlic uh. knots. And they're so delicious. They're covered in butter. And in case you don't want something that is 
you know, garlicky, something we're close together. You know, garlic is a great way to keep people apart. But uh, so we have a sweet side and we have these sweet donut roll knots as well. Well, it looks and smells delicious. We're going to dive in and back soon with Ben from SEP.io right after this. Hashtag moms got this. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Parr. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, moms, moms got, got this. <laughs> you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Even though I would love to deep dive more into the 3D printers, I want to hear a little bit more of what's going up in um, SAP in that uh, accelerator space. So SAP Next Gen is an innovation community linked to the 17 UN Global Goals. Whatever we build has to be linked to that purpose mindset, that 2030 agenda. What happens is now an innovation external community, which includes artists, governments, startups, uh, accelerators, um, corporations, of course, um, we bring these together and have uh, this innovation curation so that our customers, the enterprises of the world, as well as startups, have access to each other's mindsets. And there's some very specific initiatives that we're working with right now. Um, one of them is She Innovates, which is supporting global goal number five, gender equality. It's 2018 right now, and right now it depends. It, it's strange that it depends on what gender you are, on what advantages you have. We can change that by the year 2030, and we need to, especially in technology. So Anne Rosenberg, uh, my manager uh, has started this uh, campaign together with UN Women, she's leading it, called the She Innovates Initiative to empower women and girls in technology and uh, STEM careers, leadership, as well as investment into women entrepreneurship. But it's also, there's an app with it. Um, there is, there's a whole community around the world that's doing this. And my amazing colleague, Sandra Merck-Peterson, is... Uh, driving this as well. So the Global Goals pin that I'm wearing today, for example, this is has all the 17 colors which represent each one of those goals. Number one, zero poverty by the year 2030. Number two, zero hunger. Number five, gender equality. Number four, the one I love the most is quality education. What if all 8 billion people in the world had access to the same education opportunities that you and I have had? Imagine the problem-solving capacity of us as a species. And we believe in the next 10 years, by the year 2030, and I think by the year 2025, we'll have everybody in the world connected to the Internet and access to these great educational resources. Imagine what we'll be able to do then. I get so excited about that, yeah. <laughs> and that's what drives a lot of what I do um, and why I love working for SAP and SAP Next Gen is because we get to help multiply the people and the organizations which are driving these. One of those... Uh, initiatives is also the startup communities helping our customers matchmake with startups is extremely essential. So we're very proud to be able to partner with a company called the Startup Guide. 
to build the first startup guide to New York, which will be published in September. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> so, as a part of uh, supporting the startup guide, um, SAP Next Gen is uh, helping ensure that there's an opportunity, of course, for SAP's customers and say, hey, you're from China or you're from South Africa or you're from wherever, you're here in New York because New York is a world city. It brings people together. By the way, here's your guide to the startup ecosystem here in New York, from accelerators to investors to universities to uh, experts to workspaces that you can be involved in, etc. while you're here. And that's such a great service. They've seen this in 17 other cities around the world, and we're very excited to be a part of uh, putting together and assembling the Startup Guide to New York together with Tech NYC. Um, that's a fantastic initiative, and obviously, there you're right. There is this vibrant community in New York and around the world going on right now around this movement. But to be able to put all that information together, make it readily accessible, as you mentioned, getting it to the education, educating people, and access to information is yes. paramount. Yeah. Um, and obviously, where we think the future is going, and a huge and a huge almost insurmountable task to like sure. what how could a startup guide ever be complete for New York it's not a directory it's a curation right and there's a version each year that will be coming out and there will be a community open nominations going on etc going forward for that but the first version will be announced will be it's announced and it will be launched publicly available in September. So I'm particularly interested, and we were chatting briefly on break about it. Obviously, you said you had a background you'd mentioned in musical theater. You've tested with 3D printing or want to test with 3D printing of food. You have, And you're doing science fiction work, like all of these interests. And yet you also said something about the circus. Where does that play into your background and this kind of varied um, brain in a fascinating way that drives you? Thank you for asking that. I love to talk about that. Well, when I was in eighth grade, my brother got a unicycle for his birthday. So, of course, I took it and learned how to ride it. And then when I was... Because uh, sure, why not? Shouldn't we all have a Because why shouldn't we do that? We learned a unicycle. But, you know, that's different than being in the circus. It wasn't until I was on a movie set for a movie called Waiting for Forever. Um, great indie film, by the way. They needed street performers. So I go there as a unicyclist and... I meet these other guys and they're like, you should be in our circus. I'm like, what, there's a circus in Salt Lake City? Yeah, it's called Circus Pandemonium. So long story short, I joined Circus Pandemonium, which is a contemporary circus. Cirque du Soleil are our heroes. We train to their music. We are not Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> we pretend we are. Not yet. Um, but then I moved to Denmark and joined another circus called Circus Shanghai, which is a unicycling circus. And while I was over there, um, that's where I met my wife. And that's why I hung around in Europe for a while, because she's Finnish. Um, so I built one of my first startup or entrepreneurial escapades called One Wheel Ads, which is advertising on one wheel. Everybody stares at you when you ride a unicycle. So I sold that as advertising space. Your dad must have hour. freaked out. Oh, gosh. My dad. And, you know, what is, what is a dad supposed to say? So what's Ben doing these days? Well, he moved to Europe during the circus and he's not in school anymore. <laughs> but the good news is I went back into school after I got married and uh, studied global business informatics at the IT University of Copenhagen. And now I work for an amazing software company. That's and you working. turned out all right. <laughs> for now. But it I just mean, there's still time. <laughs> but that 
that's the fascinating thing, right? Like with, especially with entrepreneurs and thinking about the future is having these diverse backgrounds and experiences. It does make you think differently and better and in unique ways about the world. Curious as you look kind of at what's going on in today, any massive problems you think we're not tackling that you would like to see some future innovations come out or anything you're kind of betting big on as the next big kind of things looking towards the future? We're betting big that uh, there's going to be there right now. There needs to be an, uh, an awakening of what our skill sets need to be. I'm going to borrow a little bit from Jack Ma. Um, huh? I had the opportunity to be at Davos earlier this year during the World Economic Forum. I wasn't actually in that part of the event, but Jack Ma had a speech there, and he talked about how what we're learning in schools right now, what we're teaching, is what machines will be doing much better at us. Then, right? These technical skills. They're still important, but he actually called for, and we we actually are looking at this in a very serious way, studying more arts, humanities, creative thinking, critical skills. Um, those will be something that we'll be able to team up with the inevitable automation partners that we have um, to be able to, to do that. So this is the age of our former chief, as our former chief digital op- design officer at SAP calls, the age of digital artisans. Um, and that's what we need when you bring art together with uh, I love technology. That. Isn't <laughs> I it beautiful? I love that. It's a passion of mine of understanding equipments and machinery and, and understanding all the little details. So you putting it that way, it just, it just gives it a different twist. Right. It's uh, really interesting. If I may add, yeah. on that note, the next big thing is to be able to help each other discover and plan for and build the next big thing. And that's why we have a science fiction community and methodology, a science fiction festival at the end of June, June 27th, 28th at Hudson Yards, where we're going to have, it's a festival for science fiction, for the enterprise, for different industries, for healthcare, for these different things. So, Well, it's also big as you're thinking of the future. I mean, obviously, we have these goals and these visions for what's going on on Earth, and um, we want to obviously make this a sustainable place. But my personal passion, looking at outer space, where are we going to go, be it the moon, be it colonize Mars on the Elon Musk train, whatever it may be, that, you know, I know the book, The Expanse and the, the show is popularizing this, but what is this going to look like when we start going really out there? Yes, and you're all, we already have educated our imagination and the imaginations of people all around the world because of that storytelling engine, which is science fiction and storytelling. Amazing. You guys know Malala, right? Yes. I just have to talk about Malala. Before she stood up to the Taliban and got shot in the head Mm -hmm. in Pakistan, right? She was watching uh, bootlegged versions of Ugly Betty. Have you ever seen Ugly Betty? I know, I just got really heavy all of a sudden. No, yes. But this is a testament to that narrative that expands our minds and empowers people. She was watching those in Pakistan and realized that as Ugly Betty's this, by the way, I watched that with my wife. We loved it. It's an amazing (laughs) show. It is super funny. But it's about a person who's very average in her journey professionally, how she is becomes extraordinary and is able to have extraordinary confidence. Um, And Malala was inspired by this um, leading up to as she became a, a name known around the world. And we realized what is the power of this storytelling facility, of this storytelling engine that we're using either in Hollywood or putting out in literature or anything. These are powerful and these can expand people's mindsets. Um, and that's very important. Now that's, um, I have to thank very much my manager, Ann Rosenberg, for taking science fiction as a mandate to say we need to invest in this because that's been able to enable me to get on board with that as well powerful. That's a perfect place to take a quick break. We'll be back with Ben and some personal questions right after this. 
Are you interested in conversations about the crossroads of business and innovation? What if those conversations were about the largest industry in the U.S.? Hi, I'm Tom Kutzman. If you answered yes to both of those questions, then it's about time you check out Real Estate Is Your Business on the Mouth Media Network. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Okay, so Ben, before we get into the fun personal questions, we were just having a fascinating conversation that we needed to share um, going inside what is going on with automation right now mm-hmm. and the future and what this kind of new human renaissance is going to kind of look like and be like. Right. Any predictions and thoughts on that as well? Well, as we are developing these skills that are going to be necessary to work competitively with machines that we can't compete with, our competition or competitive advantages will be what we do as humans. We are creative. We are we are human. We can imagine. We can create stories and metaphors and art and be critical thinkers. It is that word renaissance, a, a new human renaissance will be coming up. Um, the number that I'm looking at is 800 million jobs will be displaced or shifted directly due to automation in the next 10 years. 800 million jobs. But you know, the great opportunity is this is, can be a new awakening for humanity as well, a new opportunity for us to rely on, uh, to work on what we do great because we've been able to delegate these tasks, hopefully in a sustainable way, of uh, those, um, those things that machines and computers will uniquely be better at us than doing if there are those artificial intelligences advancing according to what, what we're looking at. So that becomes a great opportunity uh, for us, and I think it should be encouraging for when we look at our children and what's going on with our schools. We should not be afraid of what's going to come, but we should be enabling better than ever and investing into the STEAM, which includes the arts, into what we're doing, into the, into the technology and engineering and mathematics, right? This is extremely important. That being said, if you were forced to go back to school, you just lost everything and and you just have to there's something that makes you go back to school what would you go to back to school for that is an amazing question and you got me because you know what i would study i love to be literate in expressing my thoughts and i realize the better i can draw the better i can express my thoughts or in this case illustrate make 3d models or do graphical design i know super boring right not for me because I think in visuals and pictures, and if I can better express those, maybe not to a machine, but to other humans, the faster I can do that, the better. So if I could take, go back, I would develop and become an amazing ninja at uh, graphical representations and 3D modeling, creating virtual worlds that people can do. Because as quickly as I can imagine it, the only thing that I hate the most is idea pain. I can imagine great things, but how can I share this? It's like what somebody once said to Stephen Hawking, the late Stephen Hawking, said, as your, as your disease progresses, you'll still be able to think and, and have these great thoughts, but nobody will be able to know what they are. And I realize we're all more or less in that situation to the degree sure. we do or do not have literacy to express our creativity and our thoughts. And that's what education is for. So I would go back and go very, very visual and, and, and do these things. Yeah. So as a person passionate about thinking and about learning and about education, um, 
what has been kind of, if any, an inspirational book that you've read recently that is worthy of um, everyone's attention? Leonardo, um, there's a biography by Walter Isaacson, and uh, he was actually coming to one of our events at SAP and signed it. Um, but Leonardo, he did the, uh, Walter Isaacson did the biography on Steve Jobs and, and Einstein. And what's really interesting about the Leonardo book, and it's that biography of Leonardo da Vinci, is that it also brings in some of those similarities to the Einstein and to the Jobs biography. And there are excerpts from Leonardo's journal and his diaries, pages and pages, where you see his thoughts. One of the questions is like, what does, how does a mockingbird's tongue work? Or all of these questions, you got into like finding out how the human eye works and, and drawing the human eye and that helped instruct his art and all these things. But that curiosity you see captured in his notes. I keep a little notebook with me and I, I'm, I'm not like Leonardo da Vinci, but I like to think I learned a little bit of something. He was an intensely curious person and he would study. He was a scientist. That has inspired me very much because Leonardo is the ultimate symbol of an engineer, an architect, and an artist, a renaissance man. Right. And as we come back to this human renaissance revival where we awaken the humanity in us through science fiction or whatever, I think Leonardo's a great read. Have you seen his uh, med exhibit? I haven't seen his med exhibit. That's something I should put on my list. Thank you for that. I'll take a good reference any day. Well, that is fascinating. Ben, thank you for a very interesting conversation in so many awesome directions and bringing it full circle right at the end. Any kind of final thought, words of wisdom, anything you can leave our listeners with as a reflection or um, as a positive message? I was listening to a podcast and I heard the phrase... For every one thing that goes wrong, there's a hundred things that are going right in order for you to be able to appreciate or experience the wrongness of the thing that went wrong. It was a, so the word is gratitude. Um, if I only had one sentence to give, I'd say, be grateful and find gratitude. Things turn out best for those who make the best out of the way things turn out is the phrase. I don't know who said it, but that I live by. And that's a, that's a gratitude phrase. No matter what condition you're in, no matter if you were born in a place where you don't have access to education because of where you are or because of your gender or whatever, make the most of the way things turn out at any moment and at any hour, and you'll find that you'll start to multiply your capabilities. There are people who have done this, and I think gratitude is the most powerful thing that will be able to accelerate us and individually in what we're doing. Ben, that is amazing. Thank you so much. We really appreciated having you join us here. How can our viewers and listeners connect with you? What's the best way to reach you? On Twitter. Um, that's the fastest way that I'm doing it. Also on Instagram. So I'll start with Twitter. Ben Christensen with an underscore. I know, underscores, because there's a lot of Ben Christensen. <laughs> but on Instagram, I'm Invention, which is Invention with a B. Very cool. I like so, it. So uh, thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening and joining us on this wild ride. And for Samantha Cortez, adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Back next time on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. 
keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.